Hey, and welcome to the Humanity Church Podcast. So excited that you're here. We hope that you enjoy this week's talk and it really connects to your life in a meaningful way. If you're live in the Pomona area, we would love to have you at one of our gatherings at 10 a.m. or at one of our humanity groups that meet all throughout the week all over the city. If you want more information about our community, you can go to www.humanitychurch.com or download our app on your phone on Apple or Android. If you like what you're hearing here and want to continue to support the ongoing work at Humanity, you can text the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977 and give back financially in just about 10 seconds. Hey, and here's this week's talk that was given live at our Sunday gathering at Humanity Church. Hey, good morning, Humanity Church. How we doing? We made it to week two. It's awesome. Hey, let's pause this morning and let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to come to connect to you, to connect to one another. I pray that as we step into this uh, new season, this new conversation, God, that you would speak to us, that you would move in us and through us and around us, God. I ask that you would, um, God, cause us to live the life that you have dreamed for us to live. We're so grateful for who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. There's a lot that has changed dramatically in uh, the way humanity relates to one another, to the world, to God, to to government, to society over the last two years. And there's some beautiful things that have come out of the last two years. I think we've learned to live simply. We've learned to be grateful for the things that we have and the things that are in front of us. There has been a new creativity that has been birthed during this season. Many of us have talked about slowing down and having the opportunity just to pause and to breathe and to be with family and to connect. And at the same time, there's been a lot of destructive and chaotic Uh, outcomes from the last two years. Certainly a a huge amount of of disunity that has been created, disconnection, confusion. There's been fear that seems to have taken over in a way that we have not seen before. And and then then there's a lot that's taken place. But there's one thing that, that to me has been a biggie, and it doesn't really fit in either category. It doesn't fit neatly into a, a thing of beauty or a thing of chaos. And, and I has wa- I've watched as this one thing has informed how we've made decisions about our lives on all sides. It's informed our actions or our lack thereof. It has created a, a whole new way of living for, for so many of us. And that one thing for me is our hyper- awareness of our mortality. Happy Sunday, everyone. (laughs) This is the conversation that that we're going to step into. See, because when you look at human behavior, when you look at how we behave and why we behave and why we do what we do, actually much of what motivates us subconsciously at a meta level is actually the awareness that we have limited time here on this planet. And yes, it is subconscious. We're not aware of it all the time, but it is driving us. It's one of the reasons why we have these markers in life that we find ourselves fitting into. There there are these seasons that that flow naturally from the beginning of life to the end. You you start out with the season of, of being parented and learning and education and growing and development, and then you finally find yourself in some type of a life training, job training, career training, and then you move from there generally into some type of family situation, and from family, you move into developing career and your impact on the world, and then there's retirement, and then there's the end. And there's this natural progression that happens to life. It's why there's this season for everything, and it's this progression that so many of us feel. We either feel the transition when we're in it, or we feel when we're lagging behind, quote unquote, in life, and we're not 
catching up to the transition that we're supposed to be. It's why starting over is such a scary proposition for so many people. Not, not because we're not excited about what's next, it's because starting over naturally implies that I don't have as much time as I had when I started to step into this new thing. It's why changing your major at 21 is acceptable, but changing your major at 61, whole different story, right? And so we find ourselves at different points in this space, and the underlying complaint that we have in life, whether you're aware of it or not, is that we have a limited commodity called time on our hands that we do not have available to us. And most of us are unconscious of this reality. It doesn't live at the forefront. It's kind of like the, the operating system on our computer. We don't think about it a lot, but it's always there. And it would actually be horrifying to have it at a conscious level constantly to constantly be thinking about our mortality and that we might possibly die in the next minute or this might be our last breath. That would be a horrifying proposition to live into, to lean into for anyone in any space. But this, this season has been quite interesting because it has moved this thought from the subconscious to our conscious. It's actually moved it from the back of our thoughts to the forefront of our thoughts and we have been living as a society with this keen awareness of our mortality. And we do a lot to attempt to manage this expiration date, to mitigate the possibilities of it. And it has been fascinating to watch a whole society of people attempt to navigate this conversation inside of their head, how people have reacted to this reality. See, some people have, have attempted to ignore it. Some people have defied it. Some people have attempted to mitigate it with either science or faith. Some people have, have assumed that it doesn't apply to us or that it applies to everyone eminently. And so there's all kinds of responses to this here and now. Christians seem to have minimized it in the name of heaven, and others have seemed to minimize it in the name of science. And we've all, we've ignored data, we've twisted data, we've, we've tweaked data on all sides, all to figure out what to do with this common experience that all of us have called death. Now, why are we talking about this, other than it being like a good Halloween series, right? I recently read this article called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And it was written by, the book was written by this hospice nurse by the name of Bonnie Ware. And she had the privilege of being with thousands of people within the last 12 weeks of their life. And she had many, many conversations with them. And she actually wrote down many of their stories and the things that she shared with them. And, and in her research, in her exploration, in her conversations with these people, she started logging the regrets that people shared. Because when people come to the end of their life, they oftentimes start sharing about the things that they cherish the most and that they regret the most. And so she started logging all of this data. And, and of all the thousands and thousands of hours of conversations that she had logged, she came up with the top five regrets of those who were on their deathbed. And these are those. One, they regretted not having the courage to live an authentic life. That they felt like they were constantly living for someone else's approval, for someone else's acceptance, for someone else's accolades. Number two, they worked themselves to death. That they spent more time focusing on their job and their career and their finances than they did with the things that they said matter most to them. Number three, they said that they regretted not sharing fully their emotions with other people that they kept their heart hidden away, that they kept things either superficial or they kept things locked away and they became invulnerable and penetrable to the world around them and so they found themselves disconnecting emotionally from the people they love most. And fourth is similar, that most people regretted not spending more time with community, their family and their friends, the people that they say mattered most. 
That, that people looked back and they saw all the excuses that they gave for, for missing moments that they knew would be beneficial for them, where they were too tired or they were too busy or they had too much going on and so they stayed home rather than connecting to the people that they loved the most. And at the end of their days, they regretted not investing that time with community. And then the last regret, which I think is so profound, and it's not one that I would have thought of, but she found that the last regret that most people had on their deathbed was that they, they were regretted that they never allowed themselves to be defined by joy. That their life was defined by all kinds of other things, anxiety, depression, hopelessness, despair, and that they wished that they would just allow, have allowed themselves to be more joyful about life. And so she, she compiled all of these things, things that people wish they would have done, people wish they would have not done, and this is what they came up with. The beautiful thing is that David in the Psalms gives us an antidote to these regrets at the end of our days, and he says this in Psalms 90 verse 12. It's, for me, one of the most profound moments in the scriptures, the most profound passages in terms of how we live our lives. Psalms 90 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I know I've shared with you several times but with our curriculum that we use with our kids, uh, we have this app called ParentQ. In fact, if you're a parent, download it right now. You can pretend like you're on Instagram if you need to, but just download it. It's actually a great resource. It has all kinds of videos and, and stories and activities that go along with what your kids are learning today in their classrooms. But it's interesting because when you first pull up the app, it gives you the name of your child and then it gives you the number of weeks that you have left with them until they turn eight. Now, almost every time I mention that, I get that same response. <laughs> In fact, I looked it up. I looked it up today, and I have 681 weeks left with Jackson, and I have 760. Or excuse me, that's yeah, that's with Jackson. I have 766 weeks with Colin. We're a little better there, right? And every time I say that, I always get this awe response because so many of us are actually horrified at the reality, right? Not looking at the number doesn't change the number, right? But we just don't want to look at it. We don't want to see that. We don't want to have a reality in our face. But there is something about whenever I open that app, because my kids love to watch the videos and to go through the curriculum and to do the activities on the app. Whenever I open that, it's the first thing that pops up and it creates some urgency in me. Like, I don't have forever with Jackson. I don't have forever with Colin. And yes, there will be days where they're at college and where they will have kids and their life will be much more enjoyable. And, and I get that. But this is all the time that I have with them in our home. And it forces us to look at the reality in all areas of our life that time just keeps moving forward and that we are not promised more time. It's the one thing in life that we are guaranteed is limited in life. And... If we relate all our days, relate to them as the most precious commodity that we have, and a limited commodity is that, I wonder how we might change how we invest the time that we do have. In fact, this is what numbering our days is. The average life expectancy in the United States is 78.7 years. Now let's round it up to 79 just for a minute. We'll just give you a few extra months, all right? So 79 years. Here's what I want you to do. You at home, follow along. I want you to take 79 and subtract your current age from it. Do that right now. Just in your head, take 79. I know some of you are like, this is very difficult mathing, right? So take 79, subtract your current age from it. And statistically speaking, that's how many years you have left. I know some of you are like in the negative. It's okay, you've defied the odds, right? But statistically speaking, 
that's how many years you have left. I did this math earlier this, this week, and so I have 41 years left. And that may seem like a lot, and it also seems not like a lot all at the same time with all that I have planned for my life and the impact that I want to make. Now, now here's the thing. Take that number and add 21 to it. So whatever number you have, if it's seven, if it's 41, add 21 to it. Just do that for me right now. Whatever it is, whatever number you came up with, add 21 to it. And that's the year, statistically speaking, that you will die. Creepy, right? A little creepy in this. See, for me, it's 2063, 62. Sorry, I gave myself an extra year. Uh, but, but it's interesting to do the math. Not, not that this is like hard set science, it's just statistically speaking. But when David tells us to number our days, this is what he's talking about. He's saying to recognize that there is a limited commodity called time that we get here and now. The thing that's interesting is for most of us, we actually count our money more than we count our days. See, because you're actually aware, you're, you're probably aware when $200 goes missing, right? Like if you were to open up your bank account today and it was minus 200, like from what you had before, or if you had $200 in your wallet and it was gone, you would probably immediately recognize that. You'd be calling the bank like, hey, what happened to my $200? I did not spend that. You need to figure this out, whatever it may be. But do we actually have the same urgency when it comes to probably a more precious commodity, the days that we have? See, are, are we aware when we waste 200 minutes, which by the way is just 3.3 hours, how, how many of us just veg out in life and we don't know where the time went? What, what about 200 hours? What about 30, what about 200, yeah, 200 hours is just 3.3 days. 200 months, 200 years, whatever it may be in the middle of this, how, many of, how much time goes by and we don't even recognize it. We're not even aware of it. It just slips through where we go through autopilot in the middle of this. And how many years go by and then suddenly we find ourselves wondering why visions are then put on the back burner or we wonder why conversations that are so important never actually happen or we find ourselves saying that change will come one day and that one day never comes. And then one day, opportunities pass and they're not available to us anymore. And if we are careful, if we're not careful, we will have gone by missing a lifetime, all because we didn't begin by numbering the days that we have. Another, another app that I have on my phone, I'm kind of a tech nerd, but another app that I have on my phone is a countdown clock. And this countdown clock app, I put anything fun, enjoyable that's coming up in my life that when things get crazy, I open up the countdown clock and I'm like, all right, it's three days until the next Disneyland trip. I can make it for another three days, right? <laughs> I have, like, I have in there, like, here's the next vacation. It's 183 days to the next vacation. That's as of today. And, and, and anytime I'm like, oh, man, life's getting heavy or it's getting hard, I can look at the countdown app, and I know I have a certain number of days counting down until this event takes place in which everything will get better. And that's a certain way of numbering your days, of counting them down to something. See, I don't actually think it's the most beneficial way of numbering your days, of counting down to something, but I think that Christianity is notorious for numbering our days like this. Because it's interesting that in modern Christianity, there's this hyperfixation on the ending. 
There is this focus on end times and prophecy and and getting out of this mess that we call life. And there is this longing to have this experience of life end so we can finally move on to the better things that are to come where there's less suffering or there's less injustice or where there's less frustration or where there's less people who don't think like us to deal with and all of that. And it's actually quite nihilistic. See, at least atheists have the nerve to say, look, this is all there is. Life is what you make of it. The Christian version is this is all there is, so we might as well just wait till we get done with this. We might as well set the countdown app to heaven and coast until we get there. See, that is not numbering your days. That's counting down your days. And there's a huge difference between the two of them. See, David is asking God. He's speaking out to God, and he's saying, teach us to number our days. Not because he just wants to endure them, but because he is longing that every single one of us would maximize every single minute that we've been given to fully bring here and now heaven to earth. And how do I know this? Because he actually says why we are supposed to number our days. He says, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, he doesn't say teach us to number our days so that we know how long we're going to suffer right? He doesn't say, teach us to number our days so that we know how many days we have until we get out of here. He doesn't say, teach us to number our days so that we realize how pointless this life is and that everything is going to end someday. He says that the purpose of numbering our days is to gain a heart of wisdom. And here's the thing, you don't need wisdom when you're dead, you need wisdom when you're living, So the purpose of numbering our days is to gain wisdom so that we might live here and now and that we might focus on fully living a life rather than enduring this life to get to what's next. And we've always defined wisdom here at Humanity as, as the ability to connect the dots between cause and effect in life and live them out. That when I do this, this happens, and this is the natural result, and I choose to live this out. Now, here's the thing. Every single one of us have regrets. I know you're not supposed to say that. I talk about regrets often, and whenever I talk about regrets, I hear people say, I don't have any regrets. Everything I've learned from them, right? You still have regrets, right? If you've lived longer than 10 years on this planet, you have things that you wish you would have done differently. Yes? You have things that you wish others would have done differently with you, yes? Yes. (laughs) You wish you had things you would have done that you wouldn't have done. You wish there were things that people had done and hadn't done to you. So every single one of us have regrets. And see, all that a regret is, is a moment in time where there is a momentary lapse of wisdom. That's That's all a regret is. It's a blip in the radar of our life where we did not connect the dots of what was needed to actually have life turn out. See, all regrets are is being unwilling in the moment to see further into the future than the current present situation we find ourselves in because there is always a connection between wisdom or lack thereof and regrets. See, see, wisdom is living a generous life because we know that it will create an abundant life. It connects the dots. Wisdom says that choosing forgiveness will create a life of freedom, and so we choose to forgive because we connect the dots. Wisdom is staying connected to community because we know it will enhance our faith and the quality of life, so we use wisdom and we connect the dots and we live into that. See, with wisdom, there is a deep understanding of the connections in life. Where there is a lack of connection, we start guessing. 
Like, I don't know if this action leads to what. And so we start guessing through life and then we go on autopilot and we wonder why we find ourselves in these moments of regrets because we start guessing through life rather than using wisdom and it creates these blips called regrets. Looking back on your life, you can probably see all the connections that you should have made, yes? Like you can look back at all those regrets and go, oh yeah, I see where I missed the connection. I shouldn't have said that thing, shouldn't have done that thing, I should have done this thing, I should have said this thing. So you can look back and see all the connections that you should have made but didn't make in the moment and there is the regret. But here's the thing. There is a difference between momentary regrets in life, like everyone has. Like not connecting the dots between how much money you have and the price of that thing that you wanna buy. That's a momentary regret. (laughs) And there are moments always where, where life is not connected, where parts of your existence are not connected. But see, there's a difference between moments of regrets and a life that is regretted. There's a difference between the two. See, because there's a difference between not being able to connect the dots in the moment and not ever connecting the dots where massive parts of your existence become a regret. And then when you get to the end of your days, rather than saying, I have moments of regrets, you say, I regret my life because we were unwilling to connect the dots. See, here's the powerful thing about looking and examining about these top five regrets of the dying is that they serve as messengers from the future to us, informing us of how we might live. It's like like someone from the future sending us a letter saying, hey, this is the pathway to the life that you long to live. And the great thing is that from there, we can reverse engineer life to know exactly how we might live here and now. See, because when you reverse engineer something, you start with the final product. And from there, you start disassembling it to figure out how do we get to the starting point. And then once you have the starting point, you can reassemble everything to get to the ending. I remember when, 10 years ago, actually, when we first launched Humanity Church here, uh, my air conditioner blew out in my car. And I went to the mechanic. They said it was going to be like $400 to replace the blower in my car. I went on eBay, and the part, the blower, was $30. And I thought, I'm gonna reverse engineer this thing. So I buy the $30 part. Now I'm scared as all get out because I'm pretty mechanical, I'm pretty handy, but I do not touch cars because I know you like do one screw wrong and the whole thing blows up. And so I found myself in the car with a ton of paper and little boxes. I got all my Tupperware out and I would unscrew a screw and I'd put it in the box and I'd put a piece of tape on it and put one. And then I'd take the next screws out and I put it in another Tupperware and I put on there two. And then I put the next little doohickey that needed to come out, I put it in a box and I put three. And I'd do little diagrams that let me knew. So by the time I was done, I had reversed engineered all the way how to get to this blower. And then I replaced the blower and then I worked myself all the way back to the end product to get where I needed to be. And lo and behold, the blower worked at the end of this. See, here's the thing. Thank you very much. My dad is very proud of me. But here's the thing, knowing the end game in sight, it allows us to reverse engineer how we are to live today 
if we are longing to get to this end product at the end of our lives. And these regrets are like a blueprint to us, saying here's how to reverse engineer your life, starting with the end game in sight over there so that you know where you're headed in the middle of all this, so that we can start working today asking what is needed now to create the life that I long to have, that at the end of my days, I might be able to say that I gave it all. And so we start asking ourselves today, what does it look like to live an authentic life? Who am I and who am I called to be? And what is the mark that I am made to make on the world? What does it look like to work to live rather than to live to work? And how do I use my work as a message to the world of how you are to actually live your life? What is required of me to give up today to share my heart fully with someone? What does it look like to step fully into vulnerability and authenticity and transparency? And what fears must I overcome today in order to step into that type of life? What must I do and give up and transform and change in my calendar and my priorities and my energy levels to give myself fully to community? And to say that at the end of my days, I was known and people know me. And then what must we give up and do here and now to say, no, my life will only be informed by joy. That that will be the defining characteristic of who I am. That no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, no matter what circumstances hit me, I will choose joy in every single circumstance and situation that I found myself in. See, the great thing about these regrets is they, they're informing us of, hey, here's the target. So if you start living your life today, at the end of our days, we might not have these same regrets. These might not be a part of our story. See, not surprisingly, Jesus has a lot to say about all of this. He has a lot to say about what it looks like to live an authentic life. He has a lot to say about how we are to work and the attitude through which we are to work and to give ourselves. He has a lot to say about how we give our heart and share our heart and engage our heart with other people. He certainly has a lot to say about community. And surprisingly, he says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so he informs us of how to actually reverse engineer our life so that joy would be the defining characteristic of who we are here and now. See, why else would Jesus, a God, become man? and step into human history and walk among us and talk among us and live out a life without regrets. It was him reverse engineering life for us in real time, saying, let me show you what it looks like to live a life that is free from regrets, that is free from looking back on life and saying, yeah, I left something on the table or I forgot or I left a bunch of messed up relationships back behind or I had all these moments where I wish I would have done things differently. It was God become man showing us how to fully live so that even death itself would not be an issue because it would only lead to more life. See, this is the power of him stepping into this. And so for the next six weeks, we're gonna reverse engineer these regrets. We're gonna really take a look at them and say, how do we reverse engineer them so that at the end of our days, we might say that this defined who we are. So that at the end of our days, we might gain a heart of wisdom and that looking to Jesus as the author and finisher of our life, we could partner with him in actually crafting a life that was fully lived. James 4.14 says this as we actually sang this morning. It says, why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist, you're just a vapor that will appear for a little while and then vanishes. 
This is James's way of, of telling us that we are to number our days, except he's a little more despairing, depressing about it, right? And David was just like, just number them. And James is like, look, you're just like a mist, dude. That's it. Like, you know, hairspray, psh, that's it, right? He said, that's your life. And then you're gone. No one remembers you. That's Ecclesiastes. But see, this isn't to be nihilistic. It's actually just to be reality. That the fact of the matter is, is that time is running and it is a limited commodity. And that even when people pass in our lives, I believe it serves as a reminder to us that we don't have all the time in the world to live life with some level of urgency, that tomorrow is not promised to us, that we are but a vapor. See, if my life is given to one thing, it will be to remind people that this life is beautiful and that this life is worth living here and now that to count our days as precious, that they are the greatest commodity that we have to give to one another. So live as if tomorrow is not promised to you because it isn't, that all of our days are numbered here on this earth and that we might be able to say that when we lived, that we lived authentically, that we might be able to say that we invested our energy well, that we gave our hearts and we have all the scars to prove it. We have all the battle wounds to prove it, and we have all the healing to prove who God is in the middle of all this. At the end of our days, we might say that we were fully known and known by others, and that we were able to know others in a deep, intimate way, and that joy was the defining characteristics that others had when they were with us, and that we might look back on our life and say, man, that was a joyful experience to live. See, this is the invitation that Jesus brings you. See, I'm not interested in leaving anything on the table. And the next six weeks are gonna be a blueprint for us to know how to fully live, free from the regrets that hold so many back. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that you came and that you lived among us. God, that you gave yourself fully to us. God, that you, you showed us the way to live free from regret, to live free from all the what-ifs or should-haves or could-haves or would-haves, God, in this life. God, and I thank you that, that you have shown us what it means to fully live. And God, over the next six weeks, as we look at what it means to reverse engineer these regrets, to live free from moments of a lapse of wisdom. God, that we might fully step into the future that you've called us to. Jesus, I, I thank you that, that there is never a moment that is too late. God, I, I pray for those in this room who are looking on their life and they may feel like they're, they're, they're just full of regrets and hopelessness of things that they have done. It feels like time is running out or it's too short. God, I pray even right now that you would remind them, God, that it's not too late, that today gets to start something really powerful and beautiful. And God, I, I ask that for those who are even in a space of, of wondering what's the purpose of life because they've lost Life has hit them hard. 
they're wondering why give themselves, God, I ask that you would reignite a spark within them. God, to fully step into that future that you've called them to. Give them the courage to go again, to be reminded how precious this life is. And this morning, if you're here and you haven't yet connected to Jesus, maybe this is like a brand new experience for you. This is an opportunity to connect to him for maybe the first time or the first time in a long time because here's the thing, we can't go on this journey without you knowing who he is because he is the author and finisher of life. You can try really hard, but it will be very hard and you will not get there in the end, I promise you. But Jesus is an invitation to live fully alive here and now that that you might be fully set free to live the life that you were called to live. So this morning, if you're here and you've not yet connected to Jesus, maybe that's like a new thing for you. Maybe you've, you've been disconnected from him for a long time and today is just like a reminder, like I got to get urgent about my life again and to connect to him in a way that would transform everything. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand and say, I wanna to connect to Jesus this morning. Yeah. I want you just to pray this prayer with me Just pray, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I am broken and I know that you died for me. And so I give you everything. I confess that you are Lord and I know that you came back to life so that I could live. And so I now live fully for you. I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Humanity Church Podcast. We hope that this was a meaningful experience and we look forward to connecting again next week for another conversation around what it looks like to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. Again, for more information about Humanity Church, you can visit us online at humanitychurch.com. And if you want to support the ongoing work here at Humanity Church, including this podcast, you can give online in about 10 seconds by texting the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977. Thanks and have an amazing week.